It's like <laughs> if we could insert the clip of Bradley Cooper from The Hangover going, who gives a shit? <laughs> Where is Doug? <laughs> Just put that in every time Roxanne goes off the rails in Merlison. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome back to Merlison, a bi-weekly podcast about BBC's Merlin, where we talk about the show, the ships, the fandom, and the characters. I'm Miss Snowfox. And I'm Momotastic. And this week we have another fic-related episode for you. We're going through all the different kind of genres of fics, all the different genres you could possibly think of for the Merlin fandom. And we're going into canon era fics today and all that that entails. And as usual, we like to have people with us who know what it is that they're talking about so we have two lovely guests joining us to help myself and momo along because my memory is terrible and momo doesn't read canon so there we go uh we have joining us uh a vet of merlison at this point it's her third appearance on the show and it's diane say hi hi hello archaeologist d one of our fandom uh legends as it were (laughs) we love her very much and we also have, well, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the username. I, I can do it. I can do it. Our second guest is called Über dem Nebelmeer. And despite the very German sounding name, I just learned that Marky is not actually German, but Italian. But we're still just thrilled to have you. So say hi. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so we're very excited to hear what you guys have to say about all things to do with canon era fix. But before that, Momo has some admin for you. Yes, let's take it away to the news. Camelot Drabble is hosting their 7th holiday exchange. Sign-up information will be posted on the 30th of November. WIP week is running from the 25th of November until the 1st of December. Get working on those WIPs this week and earn the good feeling of having updated them. Two pieces of news from the Arwen community. The Dash Dash Pendragons is now on Instagram as Pendragons The. And they've created an AO3 collection for the anniversary festival, and everyone contributing to this festival is encouraged to add their Arwen works to the collection. Finally, a piece of news from us, Merlison, or rather a request. We'll be doing a bit of a Q&A session in January, so if you have any questions for either Rox or me, send them in on Tumblr at Merlison, on Twitter also at Merlison, or send us an email at melissa.podcast at gmail.com And that has been it for news. Back to rocks. Hi, I'm here. <laughs> well, I'm, luck- I'm glad to hear that. Yes. Um, well, it would be a bit awkward if I wasn't here. I am a co-host. Um, so, as usual, we have some talkbacks for you, which is very, very nice. And the first talkback that we have today... Um, so we have a talkback from, oh, for Christ's sake, I hate usernames so much. <laughs> Momo, how do you pronounce his name? I mean, I would guess it, um, Meglian. Meglian. But I might also be wrong. Please do tell us how badly we mangled your username <laughs> <laughs> next time you comment. Um, and I believe that they comment, or so they commented on our episode. F- funny enough, it's just a very lovely coincidence that we're talking about this today because they commented on our previous fic episode, which was early fix. <laughs> yeah. And they, I think, uh, reblogged a Tumblr post and added some lovely comments. So um, they've said, 
This sure took me down memory lane. Very good podcast. And also strange to realize that current fandom has little knowledge of all the one time BNF above them all hermit. And Momo has something to say about that. No. Yeah. Like, because I'm pretty sure we actually did mention hermit in the episode, I Mm. think. But the thing is that hermit has disappeared without a trace. So it's hard to actually find any information on them. So unless someone can tell us a bunch of things about them, like, and and also name if like I know one fic by them that I that I remember and it's uh, the sex shop around the corner. Well, which oh, is that by them? <laughs> yeah, that's that's by Hermed, and it's only available as part fic anymore because the the Ao3 post of the fic has been taken down, presumably by Hermed herself. So, but I I literally don't know anything other than maybe a few titles that I come across accidentally. So that's why we didn't really go into Hermet in the episode because, well, there's there's nothing to know anymore. But I I agree that's it's a name that's disappearing because now barely anybody experiences their fix anymore unless there happens to be a pot fig or someone happens to have saved the story to their hard drive. Yeah, yeah. it's very sad. It's very sad that people are just deleting their stories. Yeah, I don't even know what the policy is on Hermet's fix if it's like okay for us to share them privately or if Hermit explicitly asked people not to do this like I have no idea I think she just took them down I don't think she said anything hmm, okay, quite frankly enough. I don't remember her saying anything yeah but I could be wrong of course yeah maybe. yeah there's a lot of that that's happened like even even people that weren't really BNFs like I was looking for a, a fic that I really liked uh, for for this episode actually for canon and fix that was a really really short one but i remember it so well because i uh loved the story i uh, the story so much it was so sad that i actually made a fan vid of it years ago when i was first getting into vidding and i went into my original vid which is now set to private and i looked in the description to find the the link for the story and the story looks like it's been deleted so even like stuff off ffnet is like going and i was like oh i really wanted to reread it and see if it was as cool as i remember so yeah it's very sad it's not nice yeah i've gotten Um, to the point i've gotten to the point where i just download any stories that i really like and save them to my hard drive good idea good idea yeah related to to that is uh the next part of their comment which uh says the Lola Feist fic that RHD mentions is called In the Dust and the Shadows and is my favorite Merlin fic of all time. Well, probably it's a tie with New Kate's Arcane Asylum. Sadly, Lola took down all her fics when she left the fandom. Yep, she did. So, so yeah, but I agree that Arcane Asylum is a great fic. That was also part fic by Sophonispa. I'll always be plucking <laughs> old part fics because yes. they are awesome. Um... And I know that Lola Fies fics are frequently requested on Merlin Finders on LiveJournal and that people share copies privately. Like, I don't... Same with Hermet. I don't know if uh, if Lola Feist is okay with that, but it is done either way. And I heard that Lola Feist reappeared on AO3 under a new name and reposted all of their earlier works, but I don't know... Like, I don't remember that. Okay. I don't know what the evidence is of them actually being Lola Feist other than the posting of the fics. Uh, yeah, and and you got to be careful with that because some people will try and pretend they're somebody else. Yeah, and like 
uh, that's that one the in the dust and the shadows last time I looked it still wasn't it wasn't there for example and all the fix are locked like you have to be locked into AO3 to be able to access them in the first place so yes. I I really don't know if they actually if this person actually is Lola Feist or acting on behalf of Lola Feist or if it's just someone who re is reposting a lot of Lola Feist fix so. I don't. I don't know either. But uh, the reason I locked a lot of my AO3 fix is somebody was stealing them all off of AO3 and reposting them to a different website for money. Right. That is just not nice. No. No. That is a very polite way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm almost sure that's a criminal. Act. Yeah, <laughs> I send. I had to send a couple of dis, uh, cease and desist letters to people, and they finally wow. took it down. It's, oh my god! But it wasn't just me; it was a whole bunch of people got got their uh, fix ripped off and and uh, yeah. onto that website. Oh my god! But yeah, like for Lola Feist and also like I said for Hamed, there is still a selection of their fix that they are still available as pod fix. And like, if anyone's ever interested in having like a list of fakes that are no longer available officially online, but are still available as part fakes, you know, just hit me up. I'll make you a list. I'll be happy to do it. Um, oh, I would like that list. Oh, good, good. I will, I will get on it. I will, I will post it to Tumblr and I'll tag you and everything. And I will, I will make that list probably even before this episode airs. So then I can link it. Yay. Ooh. Awesome. All right. Cool. So uh, the next talkback that we have is from All of Us with Wings, uh, who um, I don't know if that's an AO3 name, but I know that on LJ they were All with Wings. So it's like the same person, basically. <laughs> and um, they commented on uh, the conventions episode that we did, which uh, is really cool because Archie was actually on that episode. So <laughs> she can comment on what is uh, being said here and this is a really nice long comment so we're just going to go through it in stages so uh, she's written on the craziness of conventions i'm actually glad that i live in australia yeah it sucks because actors don't often visit because we're so far away but when they do come it's really nice because it's not super busy i've been able to get good seats and panels for people like nathan fillion patrick stewart and william shatner without having to line up for silly amounts of time i.e pretty much only waiting during the panel beforehand they do the clear out after each panel here too like archd talked about i personally prefer that trade-off just having a few stars visit our conventions across the country during the year and them not being busy because we have such comparatively low population um so i think i basically just said here that that sounds quite nice not to have to like you know stress about miss like you know not being able to get into panels but then I think if I lived somewhere like that where there's so few opportunities, I would really stress out about missing rare opportunities. So basically, I had a situation like this recently happen to me um, where basically Darren Chris, who's uh, like from Glee and that was my like Glee fandom thing, um, has never done a tour in the UK until, well, he is doing one now, but he had never come to the UK to perform since being on Glee or even during Glee, only in Glee Live. And he made an announcement that he was doing a show in this uh, church in London that was only going to be able to host about 200 people. <laughs> and he posted, 
Yeah, and he posted the information to like his uh, social media, and he was like, "Oh, you can get these. There's like a certain amount of early birds you can get, and then the rest will go live the next day." And I was on the website at the exact time, and just probably being five seconds too late, they were all gone within seconds, and I was just floored. And I was like, "Why did they think this was a good move to put him here?" Luckily, him and Leah Michelle are actually going on tour together now, and like to various different countries. I don't know if I'll be able to actually go just because of money and stuff, but like you know, that's that's a different story. Like I'm not so sad about that. I'm sad about wanting to pay for something and not getting on the website. But yeah, I think. If I lived in the US, though, he does shows there all the time. So I wouldn't feel as stressed out, even in the UK. I can't imagine what it would be like in Australia having that situation. Yeah, but the thing is, from the opposite point of view, uh, being in the States, I'm, I'm so envious of you guys in the UK having all these English actors fairly available. Yes. And I have to travel overseas to see them because they just don't ever come to the States. Or they yeah. go to the Comic Con, which is insane, and I'm not doing that. Yeah, that's true. Um, She then carries on to say, I've had friends say to me, oh, I bet you'd love to go to San Diego Comic-Con. And I'm just like, no, that sounds like my worst nightmare. Having to wait around for hours and hours with thousands of other people just for a chance to glimpse my favorite actors and probably miss out on heaps of things. No, thank you. Way too stressful. And I just put that I completely agree and that these days I can't stand. Like, And I said this in the, like, in the conventions episode, I can't stand these kind of cons these days. I won't go to MCM anymore. Like, and that's nowhere near the level of San Diego, but I just won't do it. Um, I remember that, you know, back when I first went to MCM, I was late coming into the actual convention, like the actual convention center. And I still managed to get a seat completely. No problem. Even though like, they were late and I was late for the actual start of the panel and I still got a seat. That wouldn't happen these days, like at all. And um, I'm actually going to be going to LFCC instead in July. I'm going to see if that's a bit more manageable because I just can't, I can't be doing with MCM anymore. It's just horrible. Um, but yeah, uh, they've, and then the last bit of the comment said, that said, it does make me a bit complacent because I'm reluctant to travel to a con for just a minor actor. I live a three I, I live a three hour drive from Sydney, my closest convention city, and I have to decide whether it's worth the cost of the coach, hotel, etc., and travel time. I'm forever kicking myself because I did this a few years ago when Bradley James and the Knights visited Sydney Supernova and I didn't go. I had a lot of other stuff and travel on around that time and not much money. And I couldn't justify going when they had only announced Bradley at the start. They added more and more of the nights and I kept telling myself I really should go, but I didn't. And I regret it to this day. And I basically am just like, I would, I'm kind of the sort of person that I will just pay the money and worry about it later because the regret of not going to a con for me feels worse than anything <laughs> else that I can imagine. This is what I did for coin a lot. I shouldn't have got like I I just started my fucking master's degree and I had a project due in and instead of thinking sanely I didn't even have a hotel at the time and I was like yeah I'll pay for the ticket because it then kicked my ass into gear to actually find somewhere to sleep <laughs> I was like I need to have roommates now I've got the ticket that's it oh yeah and I paid for my flight as well to top it all off I was like it's fine I'll be fine and then I'm on the plane writing my essay 
in the airport on the flight to Berlin and back because, you know, I've got work to do and I'm like, it's fine. <laughs> so there you go. Do you guys ever have that where you're just like, fuck it, I'll just pay it and worry about it later because I just don't want to miss out on this? Uh, yes, uh, especially when they were doing filming at Pierrefonds. It drove me absolutely nuts that I couldn't go to all of the filmings. <laughs> but when I could, I just gathered the money and I'm going and I'll, I'll deal with getting hotels later. Yeah. Just, you know, get the airfare. Yeah. What about you, Marky? Do you go to like, uh, like, have you been to conventions and stuff or is that not yeah, really? What's, what's the convention scene in Italy like? I haven't been anywhere yet because I have like a very busy um, time at university, so I don't have the time to go anywhere. Uh, uh, that's, that's sad. Oh, well, maybe there will come a time for you to go. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Bradley's constantly in Italy these days. He practically lives there at this point, so, yeah. you know, might as yeah. well. <laughs> but I'm like, 30 minutes from the Austrian border is not really that convenient. Ah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so if anyone else has anything to add, that's all of our talkbacks for this week. Is has everyone contributed what they want to contribute? <laughs> yes. I have, yes. Lovely. Okay, awesome. so that's that. And uh, thank you guys for all of your lovely comments. As always, we really, really like to hear them. And the plug is coming, so make sure that you are using your electricity safely <laughs> we can expect <laughs> sorry my mind <laughs> um so guys if you want to leave us a comment on one of our episodes you can do so at the website where you found this podcast which is melissa.parakaproductions.com and leave us a comment there either anonymously or with your name yes, or you can like sorry for interrupting you but i would just like to point out that it is paraka it's a paraka well I feel I, I just want to clarify because to me when you said it sounds like praka. Oh, okay. So, so I just so, want to clarify that it is paraka. It's P A R A K A production. Sorry, it's song. just my weird <laughs> accent. Yeah, just type in my listen into Google. It'll be there. It's fine. Um, and, uh, <laughs> or you can reblog the Tumblr post where you found this episode and write us some comments either in the body of the post or in the tags. We always check every single reblog, so you can do that. Or you can tweet us at Merlisten. We are on Twitter. Or if you prefer to leave us some commentary on Discord, we can give you the invite link and you can discuss the episodes that you've listened to with us there. Or you can send us a good old-fashioned email. Momo will give you the address now because I don't know it. It's, I've only I only say it every week, but it is melissa.podcast at gmail.com. The podcast that always like like throws me. I, I always it's, forget that. I wanted there. to register melissa at gmail.com, but melissa itself was already taken, so I had to go with melissa.podcast. Well, that's very strange. Yeah. Um, yeah. And finally, guys, you can listen to us on iTunes. It's a really, really cool way for you to listen to the episode. I listen to all my podcasts on there because, you know, I think it's just a really cool interface. And if you miss something because, you know, you're listening to it in public and it's loud or you just kind of get lost, you can rewind by like 30 second increments or something. It's really cool. And if you give us a rating and a review on there, it also helps us out. So there you go. You have so many different avenues in which to talk to us and we look forward to all of them. So yeah, there's do also it. There's also a really cool podcast app for Android um, phones that I just uh, found recently. It is called Podcast Republic. 
And with it, you can access all of the iTunes podcasts as on Android devices without actually having to figure out how to get iTunes onto your Android device because it's not actually possible. Oh, yeah. shit. So you get Podcast Republic, which is an app for Android, and then you can subscribe to Melissa and any other iTunes podcast. And I'm using it for podcasts now, and I'm also subscribed to Melissa and myself. And you can also leave comments on there, rate us, and it will all translate back to iTunes, I would assume. Yes, so it does. That's just for the for the Android population of the world. There you go. I forget go. they're out there sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Damn Apple users. I know. I am a sheep. Yeah. Okay. All right. Before we get into our episode proper, since we have a new guest on our episode today, Marky, we would like to know how you found the show, Merlin, when you watched it, and how you found your way to fandom. So I first came across the show when it first aired here in December 2008. Hmm. So you so you got there very early. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, um, I was like 11 back then, and in your head as a kid, um, Merlin is just an old wizard with a long white beard and a pointy hat, and the fact that he was a young boy was cool, you know. So I, it really drew me in back then. Um, I used to watch it after the cartoons of my grandparents, so not that frequently, because I didn't have a TV on hand every afternoon. But I remember I enjoyed it. And then I kind of lost interest towards the third and fourth season. And then flash forward to 2016... Uh, we just moved. Uh, we finally got Wi-Fi at home, so I wanted to take advantage of that. And I was scrolling through a period drama blog, came across Versailles, and got obsessed with Alexander Vajos. And Aww. since I've... <laughs> The fluffy <laughs> popper! Since I really liked his performance, I wanted to see him in more stuff. And I discovered he played Mordred in Series 5, which was news to me, because Series 5 never premiered on free TV. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I'm just laughing because it's shit. <laughs> and I noticed some reruns on Sky Atlantic, so I checked the boxes menu. And I told myself, well, now that I'm here, I could just watch it from the beginning uh, in original language. And it might just be one of the best decisions of my life because I really like that show. I have a love-hate relationship with Merlin, but it's one, it's really... It has a we all. High heart. <laughs> I feel like that sums up Merlison very well. We have a love-hate relationship with Merlin. The hate we... sometimes chokes the love. <laughs> because we love it, but damn. <laughs> Why does it have to be so bad sometimes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I wasn't as distraught with the finale as people who watched it while it aired, I believe. But, you know, it's bittersweet. And I needed some closure. I don't know how. But a link to Unlike the Cycle of the Year it Will Begin Again appeared on my dashboard. I was a newbie to fan fiction back then, so I didn't know what I was going to do. I mean, I just clicked on the link. I didn't even check the word count. I just read it. I didn't do anything for three days straight. <laughs> Love it. Contacted the author, uh, followed her on Tumblr, and from that I started to follow more and more blogs. And here I am. And that's the day I discovered this podcast. And so here I am. 
Yes, Whoa. here you are indeed. That's a very rapid succession <laughs> of, of like fandom evolution. Yeah. <laughs> um, my contribution to the fandom amounts to the grand total of three gift sets. Whoa, which is that's, more, that's more gift sets than I've ever contributed to this fandom. <laughs> so. I mean, I usually uh, produce content for uh, fandoms which lack content. I'm not as motivated to produce stuff for Merlin as I am for others. Oh, uh, but I wish, because I don't have much free time, but, you know, stay tuned because probably I will publish some more. <laughs> I mean, you could always pick some of the underappreciated pairings or characters and produce some content for them. Yeah, probably. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that with us. And now, let us talk about canon fix. Yay! Yay! I feel like there should be a drum roll for <laughs> like that. Don't talk to me about drums because I'll start talking about boy rap. <laughs> you know it. <laughs> it's gonna happen. Rocks, literally anything will set you off to talk no, about I boy know. rap. Fine. Just give me six months, I'll be over it in my mind. <laughs> oh, that's fine. That's all right. I'll I'll set my clock, and um, if you're not over it in six months, I'll will call you on it. No. <laughs> Okay, so, of course, what we first need to discuss or clarify is what we mean when we say canon fix. Because I feel like that there are different categories for this. Like, yes. obviously, it's fix that are set in the canon era, era. which is Middle Ages. Yeah. And But it can also mean, like, it can mean canon compliant and, and slice of life canon fix but it could also mean a canon au it could mean a post canon au that is the immediate aftermath of the show canon it can also mean pre-canon as long as it's like immediately before canon starts i feel like all of these fit within the realm of canon fix what do you guys think yeah i yeah. So I kind of the way I see it, like since the discussions that we've like had in private and stuff is if you look at it kind of like a tree with branches. So you have Canon and Canon AU and Canon AU pretty much will encompass everything that is set in the Middle Ages, but has almost nothing to do with events that happened in canon. So it's, for example, Merlin is a druid or canon Omegaverse, things like that. There are literally like you can tell that they're not compliant with any events. They're just set there and they have their own thing going on. But then under canon, you have branches that sprout from that. Under that umbrella, you can have canon compliant and canon divergent which I still believe like fit under the canon umbrella, but they obviously have some differences in which canon compliant will include more slice of life stuff or episode reaction stuff or stuff that doesn't really deviate from the official canon so much that you think, oh, well, that clearly doesn't fit in the show anymore. And then canon divergent will obviously be something like, and I'm going to wreck this later on, but it would be something like falconry where, yeah, it's in it's in canon. Clearly, stuff that happens in canon it does influence it at least in the first few chapters, and then the story does go off on its own route completely, including original characters, original lore, magic systems, and 
or character death and other events that happen that don't happen the way they happen in canon. But I do think both of those do fit under the canon umbrella and not its own category. But what do you guys think? <laughs> I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, me too. That was easy. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were going to talk about this for ages. (laughs) No, I mean, what what I want to get into is, like, just just talk a little bit more about the different uh, different categories, like canon compliant and, like, I I agree with this uh, initial assessment of the different categories, but I want to get into these different categories uh, just a little more. So let's start with canon compliant and slice of life canon fix. So these are fix that are over the time of writing, publishing, Compliant with canon and what we know knew about canon and did not contradict anything we saw on the show, but expanded on that known universe in some way. Yes. Yes, I would agree with that. Good. These can be fixed that are set in between episodes or even scenes. This can be missing scenes and it can be episode codas or a hiatus fix. Yes. So fix that would tie the seasons together or were written after one season before the next season started yes like examples of this that i think are correct are privileges of rank mm-hmm. uh, by separus and the knights have a thousand eyes by sorry i forgot again who wrote it but i wrecked it in the early fix episode and it is one of my favorite canon fix which is saying something because i don't really like canon fix in the first place <laughs> <laughs> oh, well i don't i don't read them that much like i prefer other ones which we all know by now um <laughs> but yeah that's that's what i consider a canon compliant or slice of life fic i think what i would just add to that is that um i think those fix by nature of that definition will tend to be on the shorter side because obviously the longer the fic the more likely you are to have influences you know of your own that then naturally will deviate from the canon material so um things like privileges of rank like you know that is i think kind of one of those fics that is kind of shorter it takes a place over a limited amount of time and usually i think when you have the canon compliant ones the likelihood is is that there's not that much plot happening like there's a situation that'll be happening mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. probably like and especially if it's a Murtha fic it'll be more about what's going on between the two of them and other canon e things happening around them like things happening with Morgana things happening with Gwen servant stuff but not much actual plot that is affecting what's happening to the characters it's just mostly like UST and whatever like it's kind of shorter mm-hmm. fix would you agree with that because otherwise you can then kind of start to deviate which then we'll go into in the next thing so yeah i mean i would say that at the time of writing the knights have a thousand eyes which is a long story it has like i think somewhere between 80 and 100k i'm not exactly sure like the part is about 10 hours long so i would say about 80k probably is is the fake but at the time it was written which was post uh serious one like in the hiatus between series one and series two, it is in canon at this point in time. So yeah. I haven't read it, but does anything happen in Knights Have a Thousand Eyes that uh, adds to what would have happened in season one at all? No, it is. It is literally. Slice it starts, of life. It it start no. It starts after season like the 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 episode that is referenced the most 
is um fuck's sake, we just reviewed this. The one in the Aldor. <laughs> the moment of truth. The moment of truth. Thank you. That that's the one that is referenced the most in this story. But it's not an exact aftermath of that. It's just, you know, the relationship between Merlin and Arthur as seen through the eyes of Arthur's knights. Mm-hmm. And then uh like how they try to get Arthur and Merlin together and then other things also happen that definitely yeah. make it you know technically an AU but at the time of publishing it was not yet an AU because we only had season one to look back yeah. on which is which is the tricky thing where I'm like things that were written at the time like things that are early fix that then are not canon compliant anymore, but were at the time of writing. Like, how do you categorize those? Because it was canon when it was, like, it was not not specifically an AU because we didn't know what would happen after season one, after season one aired. And season two hadn't come out yet. But if there's nothing in the fic that is explicitly out of bounds of what would have happened going forward just with the odd thing here and there and it's mostly just relationshipy stuff and not a lot of plot divergence then you can i think easily call it canon compliant i mean i mean there is magic reveal in that story oh okay yeah then oh, that would be it is of, it is yeah. definitely it is definitely at the end of it it would be an au had it been like it would have been categorized as an au had it been written after the show ended or even after season 2 started airing then it would oh, be, yeah, so that would yeah. be a canon divergent then. Yeah. yeah. It would be canon divergent. Yeah. Even in season one, it would be canon. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Once you have a longer fic, you can have, you. it's more likely it will become canon divergent because you can't write 100K of slice of life with nothing else happening because it just, like, is okay. okay. But then like, what, is, what is actually, so you would say a canon AU is something that is, definitely in the in the setup already different from yeah like yeah like uh like the hunt you know yeah yeah that would be canon au for me um i think there has to be something fundamental like so the only similarity between canon au and the show is the is the setting and almost everything else is different like there's almost no resemblance to like it's just the setting and the fact that they're Merlin, Arthur, Morgana, whoever, and their roles are different. There's no real reference to canon episodes or things that happen. Like obviously in the hunt, there, you know, he was never his servant, you know, things like that. So mm-hmm. I think that for me anyway would be considered AU because it's literally alternate universe. It's just the same time period. Okay, so coming back to canon divergence because now that we've had, like, oh no, first. Um, do you guys, uh, Diane and Marky, yeah. do you want to add examples for canon compliant or slice of life? Or do you want to add anything to what we've already said about that before we move on to actually talking about canon divergence more? Uh, no, I don't really add anything. I, I literally cannot think of anything that is that is a good example of canon compliant that's long. Everything yeah. is really, really short. Yeah. And uh, quite honestly, since I read so much, I tend to forget them once I've read them. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> oh, unless fair enough. Unless it's really good, and then I'll read it a second time, or I'll put it in my folder, but, you know. Yeah. So What about actually, you, Maki? 
Yeah, go ahead. I mean, like, Canon EU is like, as you said, it has the same setting, but it has the same flavor as Canon, but it's something like completely different, like a parallel universe. Yeah. yeah. Um, and as an example, I don't know if you've ever read The Sheep Prince, now it's opened. Um, it's like Merlin is a sheep prince, sort of, so, it, so he has uh, like a completely different um, role um, compared to what he is in canon. And Arthur also is just a, a, a king, uh, Lancelot is um, still alive, and it's it has to do with Avalon, but yeah, it, it you can tell that the setting is the one that is in canon, but um, it has nothing to do with the show. Mm. Um, as for canon compliance and slices of life, well, it's like I notice that most of them are kind of domestic, mm-hmm. yeah. or the Merlin and Arthur or the main four are um, observed by an external POV. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's it, and I tend to be short, as you said. Yeah. I'm trying, hang on, there is one, I just need to quickly look up what it is called, because I remember one that I would consider is, can actually count as canon compliant, apart from the fact that I think Merlin's magic gets revealed at some point, but other than that, it would probably count as canon compliant, and it's like, Morgana falls into sort of like she she's caught in a in a dream or in a nightmare or something, and then Merlin and Arthur have to relive the same day over and over again. Oh, yeah, like Groundhog Day kind of thing. Yeah, like yeah. Groundhog Day, and they have to they have to slay the same beast yeah. every day, or have to do something every day, and and but also like sort of try to figure out how to how to help Morgana. I'm just I need to look up what it is called because I listen to it as a pod thing, and it is. Uh, this is what going mad feels like. No, that's not the one. Okay. Yeah, I recently um, read that too, but I can't remember what it was. What the one I yes. described or the one Mark? Okay. No, the one. Um, it's called Quickening Days. Yes. Is the title, and it is by uh, oh god, Faye, Faye. It's it's spelled F A H Y E, the author's name, and it was podfic by. Euphoric aria. Yeah, Morgana is in a is in a coma, and Merlin and Arthur repeat the same day over and over, and they need to figure out how to help Morgana. And I think there is a magic reveal, but other than that, this because of its nature of it them repeating the same day over and over again, it sort of still fits into canon because a lot of time passes, mm. but also not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think magic so, reveal is a tricky one because obviously we. Like, is it really fair to call a fic canon divergent simply because of that one aspect? Because obviously, in reality, we had no idea when the magic reveal was coming. And if we're going to be, yeah, sticking to things as they were, then a canon divergent fic would, like, you could only write canon divergent fic if you wanted any kind of magic reveal. But we didn't know how that was going to happen. So I guess... If you're going to be technical about it, yeah, any fic that has magic reveal in it should be canon divergent. But it always yeah. feels like, so for example, I'm going to be wrecking something later on, which is called Favorite. And that should be canon divergent because there is a magic reveal in it. But it's like 
a little part of the fic like i think it's a couple of sentences and everything else about the fic is slice of life domestic like merlin and arthur related things and it's like well can that really be kind of divergent because it's just that one little tiny (laughs) i mean i mean let us let us be clear here technically any shippy story that ends in merthyr or literally any other pairing than the ones that were acknowledged officially by the show would be a canon divergent fic now that all the show has aired, now that the show has finished. Like, literally anything that is not supported 100% by the show would be considered canon divergent. So anything where Merlin and Arthur get together and stay together in a canon fig is a canon divergence because this is not what happened on the show. Okay, but I feel like if you're talking about shippy stuff, (laughs) like, if you're re- like, you have to approach every fic, I think, with the with the understanding that your ship was canon. So if you're reading Arwen fic, like canon compliant and canon divergent will be different for them. If you're reading Mirtha fic, it's going to be different. So like we operate under the understanding from a Mirtha ship point of view that Mirtha is canon and Mirtha happened in the show, and then we then take those definitions. From yeah, that. but even even so, because in in most stories, because of the Mirtha happening in the story Arwen never happens to any degree yeah. which means it is a canon divergence because in the show regardless of what you want to see yeah, exactly. between Merlin and Arthur like regardless of whether you want to acknowledge or, or see the romantic relationship between them Arwen still happened on the show so unless your canon fig addresses this or stops before that point yeah is reached and and you don't do anything with the Mirtha pairing to contradict the Arwen happening later, your fic automatically is a canon divergence just because of you putting a ship in there that is not a canon, an official canon ship. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. So I think that that, yeah, is for sure a canon divergent. If you just, if it's short enough that you don't mention it. So for example, in Privileges of Rank, Arwen isn't, um, uh, uh, isn't relevant because uh, it's just like Gwen is barely in it. I don't even think she's in it like at all. Or if she is, it's not for very long. So it's not. And I think it's set like before Arwen was even a thing. So yeah, that, like you said, is canon compliant. And then as you get longer fix, you have to deal with the Arwen or it becomes canon divergent because you wrote it before Arwen became a thing. And then Arwen just never happens at all. But then there will be other factors that will make it canon divergent apart from the shipping stuff anyway, like, Mm Merlin's magic being revealed or Uther dying or new characters being introduced or what what have you you know I think that there are yeah yeah but the shipping definitely will play a will play a part in that and I think that's influenced by like you said when it was written and how long the fic is because the longer the fic is the the more likely it is that you have to talk about Arwen but also if you write in your fic during see like post season two and you're writing a Mirtha fic, you need to acknowledge Arwen regardless. Like my my canon fic that I wrote obviously was canon divergent big time anyway, but it was also canon divergent because I had to like I dealt with the Arwen stuff and all the shippy stuff like early on, and then I just kind of did my own thing after that. Which yeah, that was part of why it became canon divergent. So I have a question um, that I just came up with while we were talking about this. For, for all of you people who actually yeah. read canon. Yeah. 
<laughs> in your experience, um, now that we've sort of cleared the fog on what is canon compliant, what is a canon divergence, right. what is a canon AU, although we still haven't really talked about canon AU yet, but uh, we'll, we'll get there in a second. I just want to ask this question now before I forget it. What is the type of canon fic that is written the most? Like in your in your experience, or do you deliberately only go looking for specific types of canon fix? I usually read canon divergent because, yeah. uh, like uh, like Rock said, as soon as you get into Murther, it depends on your point of view whether it's actually in the show or not. Because the way they react to each other, you could actually plausibly argue that there is. Murther in there. Um, I, but I do enjoy strictly canon compliant ones as well, but they tend to be shorter and I like longer stories and, uh, I do like Murther. So, you know, canon divergent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Yeah. Um, I prefer canon divergent, but I've read a lot of canon I use too. Um, I quite enjoy canon compliant fics, but they tend to be on the shorter side. And I, mean, I usually click on the story when it's over 30k. Um, I really like long ones, so yeah, I tend not to read canon compliance unless it's an author I particularly um, uh, wait for their um, for their um, notifications in my email, but otherwise I tend not to read canon compliant. Um, I I like canon divergent quite a bit, but it depends on how divergent it becomes. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I and I love I love canon compliant. Look, it depends on what mood I'm in because if I really want something that's like long and plotty and really um has a lot of like character development like it is going to be canon divergent like i said the length plays a huge part in this but i i love canon and i'm sure we'll get into the whys and what's of why we like or don't like canon but i like canon because i want to see their dynamic as it is in the show but what someone's interpretation of it is in reality so how do we make Martha romantic fit into the canon of what Martha is on the show? Which, you know, especially by the end, some could argue was heading in a very romantic direction, regardless <laughs> of what you ship, like the way they were doing it. And that's what I really like. So sometimes I, even though I want something that's uh, long and plotty, I sometimes do prefer the shorter ones, like Privileges of Rank, to a certain extent, because I like to see them being romantic Mirtha, but still being the same characters as, because the thing is, once you get into canon divergent, especially like, and I've seen this quite a lot, it really annoys me, but especially with shippy stuff, once two people get together, you, I find that their personalities kind of start to shift from what they are in canon to what the person's interpretation of them is as soon as they become a couple. And I'm like, don't do that. <laughs> like I want, like I still want Arthur to be, like distant and emotionally constipated and I still want Merlin to be like who he is and like I feel like it's I found it a lot and I'm certainly guilty of it myself when I've written them it's like as soon as I become a couple like everyone just becomes very soft and I'm just like no <laughs> I don't want that 
So sometimes canon compliant is the only way I can get my kind of like as close to canon characterizations of them as possible while still having them be together when I'm reading Martha. So that's kind of my interpretation of that. Yeah. I mean, I I guess there's also something to be said for like the reason why canon compliant fics are relatively short in general. Like apart from that, the longer you make it, the bigger the chance you're making it divergent. It's just because if you wrote a long canon compliant fic, then it just could get boring because it's literally just retelling canon. Yeah. Right. Through the missing scenes, basically. And then, I mean, I, I would assume that it is hard to write a long, completely canon compliant fic that is also interesting because. It is possible, though. I'm sure it's possible. It's just, it's, it's got to be hard. If you have a good writer and they're really good with the psychology of things, filling in those gaps can actually be extremely interesting to read. It's not going to be that plotty, but I think it'll be really, really nice. Yeah. Diane's just like, right. <laughs> yeah. Diane's just I'm, like, I I'm agree processing. so much. <laughs> I'm processing all of that. <laughs> yeah. Marky? Okay, well, <laughs> I'm driven about it because it would be really interesting. Like, yeah, I've seen some stuff like that for other fandoms, but yeah, it would be really interesting. I'm sure it would be hard work too. I think there's a, a story that, the name of which I forget, which is a canon diver, like probably a canon divergence. I haven't read it. It's uh, Rock's wrote it for ACBB, I want to say last year or the year before, which uh, works off the premise that either in season one or in season two, I don't remember which one, but one of the two, it was either in relation to Freya or in relation to probably Mordred in season one. I don't, honestly, I don't remember. At some point, Merlin revealed his magic and then goes forth and like is accepted and then just basically the the story just i think retells the rest of canon but with merlin's magic being revealed so so that would be canon divergent that yeah. would be yeah it would yeah. be canon divergent but it is probably the closest to canon like a retelling of canon yeah from a different point of view and like i don't since I haven't read it, I can't tell you how canon compliant it is, despite being canon divergent because of the magic reveal. Like, I I don't know. But, like, just from what Rox said while they were writing it, that's that's what the story, that's what the story is. It's just retelling Merlin canon from a, starting from a specific point forward, just with the change detail that Merlin's magic is now revealed and how does that influence the rest of what happens on the show? Well, my guess is that most Merlin stories are canon divergent rather than yeah, you. Sure. Unless, of course, yeah. modern. Because Yeah, I mean, most of the, so I said just most of the Merlin canon stories are canon divergent. Yeah. One one of my favorite canon divergent examples would probably be Three Tasks, and I've yes. read this before, in which like for anyone who 
has never listened to an episode of Merlison before or never talked to me ever in their life. <laughs> um, <laughs> three three tasks is the story in which there is uh, a duty that the the crown prince of Camelot has, which is being the arbiter for suitable suitors' pursuits, which yeah. means that <laughs> if there is a person in Camelot who finds themselves with more than person interested in them, they have to take it to Arthur, do the entire thing to Arthur and ask for arbitration. Right. Just to avoid there being a big scandal in court when finally like a big fight or anything. So they want to avoid this this scandal of like two suitors trying to fight it out who gets to court the lady or whoever. Mm-hmm. So that that's how the precision of the uh, arbiter of suitable suitors pursuits uh, got created and Arthur is that arbiter and then of course one day Merlin finds himself with like four suitors <laughs> <laughs> and Arthur has to arbitrate that whole that whole thing and it's just like honestly apart like there's there's a magic reveal at some point in the story but up to the magic reveal and the and the ending of the story, mm-hmm. it could actually fit into canon. Yeah. Because there is no reason not to believe that Arthur could have had this position. Like, kind of neither, like, refutes or supports this. It's just, it's just sort of a missing thing. It should, it could be happening for real. Mm-hmm. So this is this is a a lovely canon divergent story that is actually very funny but also sweet and has very many lovely moments and it was perfect by Penny Plain Knits and everybody should listen to it because it's amazing. I still need to I haven't got around to it yet but I really need to <laughs> but I guess it's my question good. then like from what I asked earlier is like what what is the consensus on a story that like like favorite is pretty much canon like in every sense of the word apart from all the coffee that's being drunk um and, <laughs> and um, <laughs> but rocks means it's all the sex being had yes <laughs> thank you momo for being my friend you're, <laughs> you're always welcome for that and i've actually started using these analogies in our whatsapp messages guys and it's becoming a problem <laughs> momo's like you do realize you don't have to do this when we type i'm like it's become a habit i can't help it um <laughs> But in the fic, like I said, there's like one tiny scene where the magic is being revealed and it pretty much affects none of the other, like none of the rest of the story. So what's kind of our consensus on something like that? Kind of, I mean, again, I haven't actually listened to three tasks, so so I don't know if it affects the character development or the plot that much, that that kind of thing. But what do we think? Like, do we still consider it canon compliant? Because it doesn't really affect anything. It's just there. Well, no, if we're like... That's what I'm saying. Is is how that that's why you need to decide how strict you want these categories to be. Like either it is canon compliant, and then it is 100% canon compliant, or it is not 100% canon compliant. Then it's either a canon divergence or it's a canon AU. So I would say that with the entirety of canon now being known that anything where Arthur knows or finds out about Merlin's magic before Diamond of the Day Part 2 
would be a canon divergence because on the show that did not happen. Like, you yeah. can't even make an argument now for Arthur knew all along, yeah. and that's why it's not a big deal, because he did not know all along. He was taken by surprise by the whole damn thing. Yeah, true. So, if you're being really strict, it is a canon divergence. The divergence can be small in this yeah, case. Yeah, that is true. But yeah. it would still be a canon divergence. That's what I've been saying about also the, the shippy stuff that affects ships that aren't... Yeah. That aren't canon. Like if you can have your your non non like not explicitly canon ship like Murtha, you can have your your Murtha ship. Mm-hmm. But if if the fic reaches a point, like if the fic tells of a time that we know in canon where Arthur was already courting Gwen or was already married to Gwen in canon, and he is not doing any of that in your fic but it's set at the same time, then it is not canon compliant. No, because... yeah. So right. th- that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. That's also where I find it so tricky with like with the early fakes because they were canon compliant at the time of being written and it's just because then the show went and did something else that they became not canon compliant. But what fakes are you talking about specifically? Well, I mean, like I said, The Knights Have a Thousand Eyes is one of those fics that is set after season one. It was yeah. written and published after season one. And as of season one, anything that happens in The Knights Have a Thousand Eyes is actually, like, it could be canon compliant because you literally do not have more canon to go on. You only have season one to go on with your canon. So The Knights of the Th- of a Th- Have a Thousand Eyes was canon compliant at the time of being published, but as soon as season two aired, it was not canon compliant anymore because clearly the magic reveal had not happened. Well, I would just <laughs> argue from that perspective, I would disagree because I think you can't make the argument that something is canon compliant because you have no other canon to disprove it that's coming in the future. I think canon compliant must be compliant to what has already been aired. What d- despite what's coming so even if it's written in between seasons if a magic reveal happens and a magic reveal did not happen in season one it's canon divergent surely it like it was never canon compliant if merlin's magic was was revealed in that fic well nobody because by because then by definition every single reincarnation au that we now have is canon compliant because we have nothing yeah but it's not because yeah but i mean I mean, reincarnation is an entirely different genre. Yeah, I thing. know, but like, but there are like, yes, technically, all of them would be canon compliant, as long as you can make a case for Merlin actually being a grumpy old man who walks past Avalon at least once in his life while a lorry drives past. Like, as long as you can make it fit in between that or around that. Your fig, your author returns, or your reincarnation fig, or whatever have you, would be canon compliant. I really don't think you can do that. Like, that's literally yes, bullshit. You can. <laughs> no, yes, you, of course you can. How can you say that a fic written either post something or in between seasons is canon compliant simply because there's nothing to disprove it? Like, if it didn't happen then, then you changed it. If it hasn't happened yet, you made that divergence. You changed it. You made Merlin's magic be revealed, not the show. Well, you could argue that any scene you imagine and you write is divergent from canon. But not plot points. Like, anything that's, like, 
character stuff, maybe. No, but, but but if that that's that's as if I were to say that if you write a missing scene, yeah, and just because you don't have the proof of like what happens in your missing scene somewhere in canon, the missing scene is not canon compliant. The missing scene can still be canon compliant, even though you don't have proof for what happened. Like if you want to say that. In any missing scene of any episode, Merlin and Arthur kissed, for example, or, I don't know, got it off in the broom cupboard or something, um, that would still be canon compliant to me, even though you don't have any concrete proof in any scene that follows this. Because they never, dis obviously they never discussed on the show or made allusions to <laughs> You know, having fucked in a broom cupboard <laughs> at some point. But you can still write that as a missing scene and it could still be canon compliant because there is nothing in canon that, that disproves that this could have happened. Yeah. But by your argument, Rox, is that just because you don't have any proof in canon, it cannot be canon compliant. No, I mean, plot, like major plot points can't be created and called canon compliant. That's what I'm saying. Not like things like that. I mean, if you have a fic, like again, I haven't read it, but, but if you there have a is fic, no like, more. Yeah. But there is no more canon after season five. There is no more. Well, canon. I mean, more like with the, the Knights Have a Thousand Eyes is more what I'm saying. Do you not think that it's like big plot points that are just slightly different than like, oh, they said this in a missing scene, or like you know this this happened, or there was a broomstick cupboard, or whatever like it might have occurred. Marky, what what is sorry? You were going to say something, Marky. Well, I was thinking about one fake of right some time ago, um, in which there is a memory spell at the end. So, Merlin reveals mm. it's Mertha, but at the end of it all, there's a memory spell, so Arthur doesn't remember anything. So, I think it might be canon compliant, because it's a scene you don't see on the show, but, you know, at the end of it all, Arthur doesn't really know that Merlin has magic, so it's compliant mm -hmm. with the ending. Yeah. Okay. That that definitely. I think we we agree that definitely works. It's uh, yeah. It's getting heated now. <laughs> That's what I was right. hoping would happen when I first asked this question. Okay. Uh, if it if there's a magic reveal after season one and before the end of season five, I would say it's not canon compliant because. But what I what about the? Because it never showed yes, up. I I yes I agree to yeah. that, but yeah. It is the question isn't like from today from today's knowledge and today's right. standard. Yes, the Knights of a Thousand Eyes is canon divergent right. because there is a magic reveal and that changes the story. Right. I agree to that. Right. But what about when the Knights of a Thousand Eyes was published in between season one and season two? Because at that point in time, we did not have season two to five. We did not know if or when. A magic reveal would happen. We literally only knew what 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 happened in season one. So why would any fic that does not disprove anything that happens in season one, but then expands that and maybe makes a magic reveal happen, why would that be considered canon divergent? Because you literally, if it's set after season one, right. and you don't have any other canon. To disprove it, why would it not be, at least at the time of publishing, be canon compliant? Because it must comply with canon, and if a magic reveal didn't happen... But it canon, does! It 
does comply with canon. The only thing that is different is that the magic gets revealed and you don't have any proof that this could not have happened later. You don't have any proof. Like, after you've seen season one and you only know season one, there is nothing to tell. There is nothing that says that the magic revealed could not happen right then but our definition of canon divergent is literally you take what's in canon and then you expand on it and i know what you're saying that season two was coming our no 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 our definition of canon divergent is you take what is in canon you expand on it and change it and that's what knights that have a thousand eyes does no it's not (laughs) it's not it does not change anything that happened in season one it does expand on it but it does not change anything that happens in season one. yeah but by that definition any like for example with falconry like the the beginning of falconry is pretty much slice of life and then starts to expand and change but the thing is canon divergent because of what happens later you can't take like you have to take it as a whole so what momo means is that you it's kind of compliant until you ignore what happens after in canon. Like, it's kind of compliant with season one, if we're talking about the knights have a thousand eyes. But if you ignore what happens after season one, right? I'm saying that the knights have a thousand eyes was canon compliant at the time of publishing because it was published before season two started airing yeah okay and and the events of the knights have a thousand eyes does do not contradict anything that happens in season one yeah sure that's why i say that at the time of publishing the knights have a thousand eyes was canon compliant yeah but at the time of the publishing but we can agree that things you know fantare so everything changes afterwards so if you look at it from today's perspective it's kind of yeah but she's saying at the time of publishing it was so yeah it was kind of compliant she's saying between the end of season one and the beginning of season two and what i would so like but if i went to read medici fic right now like let's say i mean i know that season two is airing but if i'd gone to read it between season one and season two anything that references events that are happening post season one and are not actually referenced by a imaginary season two, I would not consider canon compliant though. I have not seen a second season because they are made up completely. And it's not in the same way as missing scenes. When you're writing a missing scene, you are writing it to fit into whatever scene came before it and whatever scene came after it. And it must comply with those two timeline boundaries. What about... Yeah, I agree with you. Okay. What about episode codas that were written... Yeah. ...right after an episode aired, before the next episode airs? Are they also... I mean, they they had to have been canon compliant as long as they were, you know, as long as it didn't disprove anything that happened in this episode or the episodes that aired before. But there are episode codas, and I mean, they might become canon divergent with the airing of the next episode. They might not, depending on what they actually but that's yeah. the same argument that co- according to you episode codas cannot be canon compliant as soon as the next episode airs and something happens in that episode that disproves what happened in the episode code if they reference events that are yeah that 
that you don't know are going to happen, I would say that. So, for example, those deep places, which takes place right after Moment of Truth, there's a magic reveal in it where Arthur figures out that Merlin was the one that caused the tornado. And even though everything else that happens in it is what happens in Moment of Truth, it has to be canon divergent, even though it was written between Ep 10 and Ep 11, to the best of my knowledge. Anyway, if you're having an episode coda that literally just references random events that happened and then they fuck or whatever, like that's that is completely different. But if there's a bit like if there's a plot point, if you're putting a plot point in specifically purposefully that changes something about the story, I think it cannot possibly be canon compliant because you're doing it with intent of changing something. Honestly, I don't think you and I are ever going to agree no, on this. No, that's fine, which is why it makes a great No, discussion. which is fine. But I think at this point, we have to just move forward yeah. and talk about something else because we're just going round and round in circles at this point. Please comment on this segment, guys. We really would love to hear I hope they understand what we're saying. If not, I will be happy to explain yes. it yet again. No, 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 because I know what you mean and you know what you mean. I just hope everyone else knows yeah. what we mean. So, can it right. be used? Yes, let's talk about actual canon AU. I think that we can all agree on this, at <laughs> least. Uh, not necessarily. Oh! Okay, okay. Let me let me tell you what I put down in the script, what a canon AU is. Because according to Rox and myself, a canon AU is a... Um, which uh, is a story which is set in the same era as the show, okay. but has different uh, a different setup, like different first meetings, or uh, like uh, different uh, character tra- like not not character traits, but like Merlin is, for example, a druid, or Merlin is a noble, or also a canon AU would be them having different genders, in my opinion, and then of course you have. Uh, AUs with just additional lore that did not exist in the show, like Soul Bonds, Omega Verse, these kind of things. Right. I think so. That's what okay. What we say isn't okay. I think that there's a huge range of what AU is, and I think that's why I'm confused about the difference between canon divergent and canon AU, in that one or two things might be changed in an AU. Yeah. Or it might just be divergent. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, mm-hmm. mm, I don't know. I would say there is probably, if these are a Venn diagram, yeah. then probably Canon AU and Canon Divergence would probably overlap at some yeah. point. Yeah. Well, I'm going to give you an example, like yeah. Regged by McShane, where uh, Merlin's magic has been revealed, uh, Arthur is not happy about it, and uh, Gwen and Arthur are together, so it's Canon compliant in that regard. But it's completely, it's completely divergent. In what so, way? Like, what happens in it? That, in your yeah. opinion, is it canon divergent or canon AU? Regardless of what we think, I, I think it's AU because what happens is Merlin's magic is revealed. Uh, the druids come um, and uh, tell them that they have to be together because of the the destiny and. Uh, they get really, really unhappy about it. It's very angsty. That's why I love it so much. But uh, and Merlin almost kills himself because he just can't deal with it anymore. So it becomes more and more AU in my opinion. So I would put it under AU rather than under Divergent. But I think you could argue in on either side. 
But would you say that that yeah? Because obviously in this fic, Merlin is Arthur's servant. Merlin is this yeah. Arthur is the Prince of Camelot, Gwen is a servant, right. and Morgana is a lady. And it's just that we begin at the point where, in another fic per se, it would have started to become divergent. Is that what we're saying? And then things kind of just go in their own direction. Like, is everything else about the universe that we know the same? Or do things become completely parallel universe by the initially, end? Initially, they're the same because uh, Arthur and Gwen are married. Yeah. Um, Merlin is with Gwen at the time uh, the personalities are relatively the same <laughs> Momo's just we just recorded the Gwe, uh, the Moen app this week so yeah well like... they're they're in there they're they're going at it um yeah <laughs> yeah but then they'll get broken up because of right. fucking destiny because of because of destiny exactly and the druids arrange it in such a way that uh Arthur and Merlin are at loggerheads and it just gets more and more spun it's like a it's like a top that gets spun out of out of uh, control. Okay. I would I would I yeah. would still consider this a kind of divergence, to be honest. Okay. I haven't read it, um, but from what you're saying, I might consider it the same because it sounds like there's a lot of recognizable elements. Yes. Very, For example, very similar elements. To, to to give a different example, um, I wrote a story. Um, that I would consider a canon AU, even though it still it still starts out with Merlin as Arthur's servant, yeah, Merlin as Arthur's servant and everything. Like the the plot is mostly the same up to a certain point, right. but what is different is that it's a universe in which people earn marks on their bodies for deeds they do good or bad or decisions like important decisions they make for themselves or other people okay so like they 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 earn like tattoos on their body a little bit like maui in moana right basically and so this is and that's why i consider this au because this is not something that happens in canon yeah right but this and this is what is is fundamentally different from canon but it's still it's still put into the plot of canon and then it only starts changing the plot of canon from a certain point forward right yeah i think if you have a supernatural element like the marks on a body or soulmate bonds even if the fic like say you took marks on the body out of it it would be canon divergent but i think that kind of added element okay the uh trope shall we say yeah. makes it yeah, a that... canon AU even though the yeah. plot so I think that also maybe that would be like on the on the on the branches of the tree that I kind of was talking about so under canon AU you'd have parallel universe which would be like mm-hmm. Merlin is a druid or Merlin is the prince Arthur is the servant that kind of stuff and right. then you would have things like um like what like what even would you call things like omega soul bonds like things that feel like they're a bit sci-fi like magic realism yeah i guess you could just call them magic realism couldn't you like right. that kind of stuff and then i guess you'd have then then again it, i mean it's it's a bit, <laughs> bit bit laughable because all of merlin is sort of magic yeah, realism exactly. because magic is real <laughs> like that is that is what magical realism is it's just a world in which magic is like magical things happen magic is real and everyone knows about it, and that's like that's literally yeah, the plot of Merlin. Yeah, true. true, true, true. <laughs> um, yeah, but so I know. Thinking. I mean, I know what you mean, yeah, but it's yeah. just like. Eh. Um, I think, but I, 
I would argue it's a little maybe like yeah maybe the lines between canon divergent and canon AU can be blurred depending on how long the fic is again and how crazy it gets yeah. because if your yeah. first chapter yeah. starts out with Merlin going around and doing his servant duties or whatever and then all of a sudden you know um yeah. all hell breaks loose because uh he finds out that he's actually um Uther's long lost son and he's actually like the prince of Camelot and it's you know so I think yeah. it has to depend on yeah. where the point it's like, is yeah I would I would argue that also like Crown of the Summer Court also falls into this sort of weird mix of canon divergence mm-hmm. and canon AU because it starts out with canon but then um the elves show up at Camelot, uh, at Camelot, and declare Merlin their their elf prince, yeah. or like a lord of the, of the elves, or something. <laughs> lord of the elves. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's also to me like a sort of weird mixture between canon divergence and canon AU because it it does divert from canon we know, but it also goes into AU territory. But yeah. at the same time, I think at when it was published. I mean, I don't exactly know when it was published, and I'm too lazy to look it up now, but it could have been, like, if it was written after season one, we would be coming back to my argument that I had earlier, <laughs> which we're not rehashing now, but maybe it was vaguely canon compliant at the time yeah. of publishing, maybe it was not. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's just, I, I agree that there can be, and I mean, I haven't read Falconry, the, the series, but from what I heard of it, I would argue that that probably also falls into this into this blurry category yes. of canon divergence that eventually turns AU just because of how divergent it went. Mm-hmm. Like there there is a point when it's just so divergent from canon that it actually becomes an AU. Just just going back to the fic I mentioned earlier that I still haven't looked up uh, the the title of, but this the story that Rocks uh, wrote where. Mullen's magic is revealed or where he makes it uh, a conscious decision to stop certain things from happening by revealing his magic to Arthur and then uh, the, just the rest of canon gets retold from that point of view that Merlin's magic now is revealed and Arthur knows about it and eventually is okay with it right. that I guess this also starts as canon divergence but probably without having read it I could assume that it probably turns into an, a whole AU because at the end of it it's probably entirely different from from canon just right the outcome well i mean just to bring up falconry i've i've read i haven't finished it but i okay. i think because i have kind of skimmed through the whole thing before i do remember now roughly what happens towards the end of it although i haven't finished the whole thing and from what i've read up till now even though the events that happen like none of it happens in canon like uh you know but i for me it's clearly canon divergent because it's just like Everything is like as is in cat. Like the law, the law is the same. It's just things like events are different, and it's expanding on what we already have. Whereas I on like I think if you take a, it is literally just in the name alternate universe. It is completely different, either in the sense yeah. of an added trope that changes everything about the characters like soulmate bonds or omegaverse or whatever your thing was momo i don't know what you'd call that but tattoo um deed doing stuff um um, or um or it is a complete role reversal of the characters in a way that changes everything i i mean i would kind of like if i'm honest i think canon 
Divergent is one of those things where it can kind like we said, Canon Divergent can start by being Canon compliant and then you don't yeah. realize it's becoming Canon Divergent until it gets longer and other stuff starts happening. I would maybe make the argument that Canon AU has to start as an AU. Like you have to be writing okay. it with the knowledge that what you're writing is completely different mm. to what is happening in Merlin BBC. Would you guys maybe agree with that? Not necessarily. In what sense? Well, because you can still set out to write, like, by by that de- definition, it, it depends on the mindset of the author. And if I, as an author, start writing a story that, uh, like, uh, rocks is, I just looked up the title, it's called The Test of Honor. And, um, like, I'm pretty sure that this would be considered, like, I, I'm pretty sure that rocks probably... Sorry for putting words in their mouth. I'm I might regret this later, but um, you know they probably consider this to be an AU because everything ends up changed, even though it starts in canon and follows canon mostly mm-hmm. and is only changes only like one thing at the beginning, but then it it sort of snowballs into more things. So it's it's if you make it dependent on the mindset of the author, even a canon divergent fic, which is like a big divergence, would be considered an AU just because the author set out with the mindset of, well, what I'm going to write is going to completely change canon, even though from mm. your point of view, it might still be uh, a canon divergence. Like, I mean, I haven't talked to Versafile, but maybe they considered Falconry to be an AU because of, because of everything that happens in it. You know, yeah. so it's just I th- I find that tricky as an indicator of what is an AU and what is not an what is not an AU or what is a divergence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, okay. I'm looking up one of the stories that I was going to um, uh, give a big shout out to was Stars Above, Stones Below. It was written by Destina. It was written in 12, uh, 2012. and it starts out with. Uh, Arthur has uh, ended his betrothal to Gwen. He's regretted his offer to Princess Mythian, and Arthur swears off finding a wife until he's ready to wed, and Merlin offers himself as a bedmate. Now, that's obviously canon divergent. Yeah. I went went and actually looked up what she wrote on there, and, yeah, that's what she said. She said it's canon divergent, canon error. There's nothing canon AU about that. Um. Mm -hmm. Now, another example I have that's definitely canon AU is The Frog Prince by Clea 2011. And teenage Arthur is hit by a mutation spell intended for Uther, and he turns into a frog. A a human-sized frog. (laughs) And actually, it was really well done, so I would recommend it. I want to read this. I just just remember this one story, which is called um, something like... Like, um, Uther had a cow. Uh, Uther and Igraine couldn't conceive a son, so what Nimoy did is she took uh, a baby cow and she turned it into a human, and that's Arthur, and then he grows up, but one day when he's already grown up, the spell wears off and he turns back into a cow. And Merlin has to figure out a way to turn him back into a human and to make the spell permanent. Oh, I want to read this story! (laughs) 
I'm gonna I'm gonna link it. I'm gonna okay. find it. I'm gonna link it in the doc uh, in in the post. Okay. But um, it's it's I mean it's entire crack. But that's definitely an AU. <laughs> that's not just Canada versions. That's an AU. Just, yeah. Sorry, that just came to me when you said Arthur gets turned into a human-sized frog. I'm just like, wait, there was a fic in which he was a cow. <laughs> There's also a fic in which I think Merlin is a whale, and it's just. <laughs> For fuck's sake! I'm and quitting one day this. He fandom. gets like he's he's like uh he's like uh like he gets he feels like he's it's either Arthur or Merlin. I don't remember which one of them, but they they feel like they have to go to the sea, and then they go to the sea, and the moment they step foot into, it, they turn into a whale, and it's just like oh. it's so much crack, and I love it. <laughs> but I think this is what I'm saying. Like, I think that. Of the umbrellas that we have, I honestly feel like if this was on a scale of canon compliant to canon AU, the middle section where it's canon divergent would be the biggest because I think there's more leeway in canon divergent, arguably, than there is in canon AU. Because I think you can say, you can tell someone a premise of a fic and you can tell that it's canon AU. And then I think canon divergent can become very divergent or just divergent enough that it's a completely canon compliant fic with magic reveal but i think that parameter is the widest and then i think canon au is something very specific that is actually quite recognizable maybe sometimes i agree with the last point where rocks but i was wondering would you make of you know fix where the first meeting between the two main protagonists is different but you know, Merlin turns out to be a servant anyway. And then everything else remains yeah. very similar. Yeah. I would maybe call that canon divergent, I would honestly say. I think if the first meeting makes everything else completely different, then, yeah, you could call it. But again, I think that if if everything feels familiar, if it feels like Merlin, I just don't know if you can call it canon AU unless you have the added science fiction-y trope added to it. I think, but that's, I mean, honestly, this is going to vary from person to person, but I'm just telling you like my personal feeling. I think if I'm reading a fic, even where they meet differently, but it still feels like Merlin, it still sounds and looks like Merlin. I don't think I would call it canon AU unless it had something about it that like Momo's fic made it completely different by that one trope. Yeah. Yeah. Momo, are you agreeing with me on this one or are you good? Gonna... <laughs> you can give me shit because I'm ready for it. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, the different meetings is very difficult for me because this can have three different outcomes. It can either be that they meet, for example, as children or in some way, but... Uh, at least one of them, for example, doesn't remember it, or they both remember it but choose to ignore it, or something like that. And then canon happens the same way, which means that this would be canon compliant, in my opinion. Or their meeting influences canon, but not to the point where it changes Superman. Like, for example, Merlin and Arthur meet as children, and then Merlin comes to Camelot, and he remembers meeting the prince when they were younger, but Arthur, for example, doesn't remember it, because why would he remember a peasant boy from 
God knows where. And then it just said Merlin already knows Arthur before he meets him in Camelot. And that would be a canon divergence, for example. Or it could literally change everything about how they interact and how they uh, how they see each other right from the start. And I could see an argument for that being an AU, because then their roles are, despite them still being prince and servant, their roles in in each other's eyes are already different. Like, they consider each other already different people because this is not the first time they have met. But it also depends on how they first met, how many times they met before before canon officially starts and what these meetings were like. For example, there is this fan art that I'm thinking of um, by Lao Pendragon. Hi, Lao! Um, in which Arthur goes to Yelda or, or goes through Yelda when, when they were children and... I don't remember why or for some re but for some reason Arthur gives Merlin what later amounts to Merlin's neckerchief. And so this is a this is a link between them ever since they were children. Like I either was Arthur's own neckerchief or something. I don't remember what it was, what what piece of cloth Arthur gave him, but Merlin has this like receives this neckerchief from Arthur and then he wears it all this time, even when he comes back to to Camelot. And this is like, you know, this is a meeting that has already influenced them and that has changed their opinion of each other before they even meet. And so they already consider each other different differently when they first, well, no, first meet in yeah. canon. So um, I, I feel like these kind of things, like pre-canon fix, which... I think is also like post and pre-canon fix are their own sort of canon era categories yeah, kind of. in themselves. But like, like the 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 pre-canon fix especially, they can lead to all types. They can be canon compliant. They can end up in canon divergence, or they can end up in, in my opinion, canon AU, depending on what's in the pre-canon fix that ends up changing something fundamentally about what happens in canon. From the very start. From the where yeah. From the very start. Yeah, I guess because obviously I haven't read anything like that. I'm like I can't really think how I'd feel about it as I was reading it. I think it would be one of those things where I'd kind of read it and then think, oh, that feels completely not like Merlin. But yeah, it is. I think that is probably one of those gray areas, especially with first meetings, and it depends. We can. Okay, some other. Uh, do you guys want to give some other canon AU? Example, I mean, I have a couple. Canon AU or Canon Divergent? Canon AU. Canon AU. Uh, I've got uh, Gardarine by Unpossible, yes. uh, where he's yes. the Mad Prince of Camelot. I thought yes. that was very much uh, AU. Yes, it yeah, is. It very is. much AU. Um, also, uh, keep going someone else. <laughs> I'm trying to get it again. <laughs> Marky, do, okay. uh, do you have some AU suggestions to fit that kind of definition um i was thinking about a prophecy of dragons with kids Fanon, in which merlin is he knows already that he is the last dragon lord and he's destined to marry someone from the five kingdoms of Albion. and then mm -hmm. um arthur comes to uh, visit the druids 
um, as it's usual uh, once a year because Merlin is destined to marry one of those princes. Um, anything else? I don't have much. What canon I use? Mine are mostly canon divergent. Yeah, the only canon AU I could think of that I actually think I've even read, uh, to my knowledge, is The Hunt, and I mentioned it earlier on, in which, like, Merlin... So you you completely forgot about Leashed? Um, (laughs) okay, no... I didn't know. Okay, fair enough. I yeah. Okay, sorry. I was just having very happy flashbacks to Leashed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Leashed by Riven Thorn, Podfig by Lunchy, yeah. in which, um, basically, magic users are kept as, uh, personal pets and weapons of nobles. So Merlin becomes sort of Arthur's pet magic user okay yeah that's and and like author like when when they're very young like author receives merlin as a as a gift uh from his father when they are both very young and then they grow up together and sort of uh become friends even though uther doesn't want him to become friends like he wants author to consider merlin an object basically a weapon to be used but author just can't see Merlin this way because well Merlin is a human being and Merlin is a is a is a good person and he likes him and so. he calls him my little bird oh, <laughs> so, <laughs> I can't I can't I yeah no leashed I I need to re-listen to leashed actually like you've made me remember about leashed and I love it so much uh, I actually, I wrote an AU, can I talk about my own stuff? Yeah, yes, okay. please. Um, I wrote a two-parter. One was um, Conversations with the Sorceress, which started out as canon divergent, where Nimue blackmails Merlin into leaving uh, because she threatens Hunneth, and Arthur finds out, thinks that he's in, in league with Nimue, that and then the sequel is uh, diplomatic immunity, and um, Uther has died. Arthur has become king. The druids want to uh, have a treaty with Arthur, and they send Merlin to try and broker the treaty. So mm-hmm. it's really quite divergent. Well, it's more than divergent. It becomes AU because of the whole. Um, he becomes a like king of not quite king of the druids, but like. The druid, uh, the face of the druids towards the Arthurian court. Okay. my shelves now, and I found on the books a song from Far Away by Paul Monkey. It's very famous as a canon AU. In which, okay. In which Arthur is Prince of Camelot and is captured, uh, while they're out hunting, I believe. And he comes to know Merlin as a fellow captive. In Sandrin's kingdom, and um, Merlin is uh, sort of like Sandred's magical slave, and there are dragons in it. Um, yeah. Nice. That actually sounds very interesting. I might actually read that. <laughs> I'm I'm all for the for the hurt and the imprisonments and yeah. slavery. This this sounds really terrible of me, but like, no, no, I might cut out you saying I'm all for slavery. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, I said I'm off for the hurt. 
But, yeah. <laughs> we still have post and pre-canon fic that we... Like, there is the story that I wrecked for the, for the Gwen episode where, like, it's just two or three years after the after the show ended like after canon ended and Arthur died and then it's just a scene of Gwen in her chambers at uh probably at Samhain or or the anniversary of Arthur's death or something like that and uh, she receives a visit from Merlin for example or like there's there's another fic that uh and I forgot the title I'll hopefully I'll find it again uh that is definitely said at Samhain uh, when the veil between the worlds is thinnest and Merlin manages to talk to Arthur's spirit, for example, and this is only like a year or two after Arthur died. So, see, so like post-canon for me is like things that are set within the lifetime of the characters in canon. Like, not obviously not Merlin's lifetime yeah. because Merlin lives forever, apparently. Uh, but like within the lifetime of, let's say, for example, Gwen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so like this is for me post canon, like ends, like starts after episode thirteen of season five, and uh, is set between is set when the other characters of Merlin canon are still alive. Yeah, for sure, I agree. So once, so once Gaius has finally died two hundred years later, <laughs> <laughs> that is when it ends. Yes, basically. <laughs> Because Guy is never a dog. No, he's the oldest. He outlived all of them. The fucker. On this show, and he just he just never dies. <laughs> uh, pre-canon figs, not just uh, we we only mentioned like uh, different first meetings like pre-canon, but what about figs about the Uther era and like when Igraine was still alive or when Uther and Gaius were still young? I mean, I still consider this also pre-canon. Yeah, but I think pre-canon is its own genre, really. Yeah, well, pre-... No, I feel like pre-canon is part of canon, because I don't think many pre-canon... Like, okay, I I don't really read any pre-canon fics, so I wouldn't know for sure, but I feel like pre-canon fics are also sort of connected to to canon, because pre-canon fics set us up for canon in some way. I just... I think that, like, I get what you're saying, I do, but I think we have to be constrained by episodic, like, parameters somehow. <laughs> there has to be some kind of system. I would consider an Uther Grain story about how they met to be canon, possibly compliant, but definitely divergent. And I would also... But but definitely a pre-canon. A pre-canon, I would pre-canon. consider part of canon as long as the... Uh, original characters are still alive. So if Uther is a boy, I would still consider that part of canon. Um, And, well, I I could argue that uh, talking about the beginning of the dragons is pushing it a little bit too far. But uh, as long as Gaius and Uther are alive or Nimue's alive, and who knows how long she's been alive, actually, because we don't really know that. Um... Yeah, if one yeah. of the characters that we know from canon is present yeah. in the story and like plays a role in the story, I would consider this a pre-canon fic. And then depending on what the fic is, it yeah. can be canon compliant or canon divergent. Right. But like, but like I I consider pre-canon a sub 
subgenre of canon proper fig. But like because it's well, it just uh... it tells the story from from before. But I can I can already tell that Rox would disagree on this, and I think we just need to move on. Because... <laughs> so popular authors for this oh. genre. <laughs> I could only think of a few, but oh. then again, I don't really read canon fics. Like, the ones I know are Separus, Astolat, and probably Marguerite 26. Yeah, those are... Just because I know at least two canon fics by Marguerite yeah, 26. Those are the old, uh, old guard. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, if you, if you have newer authors, please well, share with me. Uh, you want to go, Rox, or you want me to go? Uh, please, because I don't really have that many current authors that I can think of, so please go. Okay. Well, Polo Monkey has been writing for a very long time, so I would definitely recommend um, her. Uh, she wrote this one called uh, How to Love a Living Thing, which was definitely uh, canon divergence. But I, I, I love how I, I love how Diana's canon divergence. <laughs> It, like scared of Rox's retribution, <laughs> and it was. Really, I haven't and, disagreed with Diane once today. It's you I've got beef with, my mom. Okay, it was as per usual. It was written in 2016, so it's a relatively newer story. Yeah, and of course, there's okay. Silic in the Want of a Wife. I absolutely adored that one. That, but that was written in 2009. Um, mm-hmm. Platonic Boner. Tends to write very interesting stories. So she wrote uh, Practice Makes Perfect. When Arthur finds out Merlin has magic, he makes Merlin train him on how to fight sorceries. And then he wants to build up a tolerance to love potions. So that, that was a <laughs> I fun think, one. I think I read that, that one. Was, I think I read that one. That was one. written in uh, 2016. Um, then there's uh, Camel Little. Uh, she writes mostly modern stuff, so, um, but I did find one from her, uh, Into the Light, uh, Arthur wakes up orphaned, injured, and imprisoned in Camelot's deepest dungeons with a sorcerer he once called his friends. That was in 2017. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also would like to recommend Magog83. She doesn't, okay. she doesn't write much anymore. But her whole uh, Percy and the Midnight Quest, where there is a quest, a strange creature and some revelations. They're chasing a blue frog that sprouts fire. And it's it's from a uh, different point of view. It's from Percy, not Percival. It's a difference in OC. Um, okay. And it's the Root of Advancement series. So there's a number of... Oh, yeah. I, there's there's Pothic of that, and I haven't listened to it oh, yet, but I need it's to. A lo- it's hilarious. And she wrote it around 2010, 2011, so it's fairly old. Okay. Um, okay. There there was another one, uh, Sweetheart, C-H- S-C-H-W-E-E-T. So I'm yeah, not pronouncing it correctly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sweetheart. I, I, I would... I, w- I would say sweetheart because I'm German and S C H is pronounced sh in German, so I'd say sweetheart, but I don't know if that's actually correct how or not. Sweet. Yeah, she would pronounce she it. writes a lot of canon of stories, mostly short. So okay. uh, and she writes a lot in Camelot Drabble, so I highly recommend her work. Um, one I'm reading recently was called Fidelity. It was written in 2005 in which uh, Arthur and Gwen are married for a year when Arthur discovers Merlin's magic and everything changes. So um, that is also canon divergent. 
Um, then there's Rockin' Von. She doesn't write that yes. much anymore, as far as I can tell, although she pops up once in a while. Um, but she's she's written quite a few uh, canon divergent ones. And then, of course, there's Archaeologist D, who oh. writes a lot of things. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Marky, do you have any authors to add to the list? That write mostly canon. Sonic Bona and Shweetard. Um, I've got Arthur underscore Dragon. Um, I recommend you to read anything from them, because they're really, really talented. Um... And I particularly love the Lists of Love series, which has an interesting format because it's like um, there are three pieces in the series, one by Merlin, one by Arthur, and one by the Knights, in which they make a list about, uh, respectively, Arthur, Merlin, and uh, Mertha. And it's written by Merlin, for example, in the first piece, and then Arthur comments on that, and then... Uh, Merlin crosses out what Arthur has written and comments further, and it's really funny. It's hilarious. Yes, um, I agree. It's hilarious. <laughs> and then um, Destina, as we said before, stars above, stars below, and the sequel, and so Hidden Light, which I particularly enjoy because it's a great magical reel in which Arthur takes the boys hunting to take a break from his kingly duties. And then they reach a village, which was sheltered by, you know, Camelot um, going. And um, Merlin is surprised by the fact that the villagers call Arthur by name, and they seem very familiar with him. Um, and in this one, Arthur knows Merlin's magic already. And then I've got Malu underscore three grain which might be better known for a modern uh, AU, which is There Are No Gays in Football. Well, um, they have uh, written uh, a lot, mainly Mertha, but other parents too, Ben Slash or Gwen Slash Arthur. Then I've got Skits Venom. Uh, I've mentioned before A Prophecy of Dragons, but there's also another one which seems pretty famous. I've seen it read all over which is Touching Your Skin to Give Me Hole, which was inspired by um, art by uh, Wimsy Catcher. And it's an AU post-season four in which uh, Merlin and Arthur visit the kingdom of Esatea. But unfortunately, there's something um, which Merlin does wrong, which is against the law in Esatea, and is um, obliged to uh, stay in the stocks for a night uh, and... Oh, yes, I've read that one. That's so good. Yeah. Ah, oh, I read that one. Yeah, he has to stay in the stocks for like a week, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's Super Calvin. Um, okay. They have written a lot of lovely Tumblr figlets, which are not sorted on the Tumblr, but they're all amazing, so you just read them all. And then Laundry's Hard Work and Father Me Out, which... Um, focuses on um, Arthur's point of view and he notices um, Merlin's scars during uh, a skirmish, I believe. And the first line in the summary is, wasn't Merlin supposed to be tiny? When the hell had he learned to use a sword and not fall on his backside? And 
<laughs> uh, well, there's, you know, the prequel, it's Alondra's hard work, and then there's Father Meowth, in which um, Arthur discovered that Merlin is not what he looks like from the outside. And all things, well, I've got Amrys and Kay, who's got loads of episode-related fix, you know, what-ifs, missing scenes, inspired by. And then the other ones have already been mentioned, so I don't really know. That's that's quite a lot, <laughs> a lot more though. That's thank you. That's great, and and still a lot. Like I know all of these names. I uh, from from around fandom. So yeah, I just since I don't read canon, I wasn't really aware of them all writing so much canon fic. Thank you. Amazing stuff. Um, yeah. So I ju- uh, just before we go on to the uh, common tropes section i actually wanted to because we didn't really touch on this yet but some of us like canon some of us don't like canon (laughs) and um i i guess i wanted to find out from all of us like why we like this genre or we don't like this genre what draws us to it um momo why don't you go first because i know you're not a huge fan of it or you don't read it at least yeah yeah i guess it's a good idea to start with me and then you all can gush about why you like it (laughs) i just um, I think I've said this probably before, it's just, since I don't really like their, like, since I, I mean, I've only read Martha in the past, and since I don't really like that dynamic on the show, like, I don't like that dynamic in canon, I don't really have much interest in, like, reading more stories with that dynamic. I mean, obviously... I know that many authors will probably change the dynamic or give it just a different tone or anything, but it's just it's just not that interesting interesting to me, to be honest. Like the best way to get me to experience a canon fig is to make a hot fig of it. And I, <laughs> no, it's true. And then I listen to it and I'll probably even enjoy it and then I end up mentioning it every single time that I get the chance like the Knights of a Thousand Eyes or Three Tasks which are both canon fakes and I love them and I will recommend them to anyone who listens for more than five seconds to me um, but it's just I don't know it's just canon doesn't really for Merlin doesn't really interest me it might change now that I'm getting more into Merwain so I'm, I might end up reading more canon fix for Merwain than probably modern AUs, but I don't know yet because I haven't really haven't really got a start on this yet. <laughs> but I think what's really holding me back is just modern author in canon are just, I don't like that dynamic on the show. And I just, uh, with most canon fix, I'm just worried that my dislike of them on the show will just carry over into reading fix about them. And then I just won't enjoy the fake in the first place. So, like, I read, I will read canon AUs because then the the setting is different and the characters will interact differently. So, so that's that's a good change for me. But yeah, it's just. Well, I mean, when I first got into the fandom, I was kind of a newbie to fanfiction, so I, I had no frames of reference. I didn't know where to find stuff, and the first thing I went through was the After Common Big Bang uh, collection on the archive. And I did read a lot of stuff which wasn't canon. I wasn't very interested in that because I'd just finished watching the show. 
But in, in the last year, um, I mean, I haven't watched the show in a while, and I feel kind of nostalgic. So I, I guess I got into reading canon stuff because I wanted to uh, see the characters in the same setting uh, as in the show with the same kind of dynamics, you know, to have the same flavor as in the show. And that's why I like them. I mean, I fell in love with the show for a reason. So I want when I search for canon fake, I do it because because of that. I, I would agree with that. I, I really love the show. I love the dynamic, even though it has elements of real some really horrible things going on in the background in it. But I fell in love with the show. I fell in love with the characters. I want the characters to be true to themselves in the stories. And I find that the canon, whether it's Divergent or AU or whatever, they have to have a similar dynamic or I really don't like them. So I have a big problem with modern AU for that very reason. Um, sometimes they will have the same dynamic, but very often it's just a story with the names are the same, but the characters are completely different. And that's not really what I want. I want the characters to grow, but they should grow logically and in a way that makes sense. So um, that's why some of the episodes in like uh, like season two, I was not happy with because I didn't think the characters would have grown that way. Um, but for canon fic, I really want them to reflect my love of the show, whether in a good way or a bad way. The end. <laughs> yeah, mine's pretty much very similar, except I also just love historical romance, like that kind of thing. And I love any kind of, um, I don't know, for me, it's like from a shipping point of view, because like, I don't really read Jen, but I think that's kind of like, I'm not really alone in that. <laughs> like, I think a lot of people probably just read shippy stuff. Um, I want like that feeling of being in the um in the older time period uh with all of these kind of restrictions uh makes for more interesting relationship stuff for me and i like the fact that they have so much going against them you know not just their class but the fact that you know they see the world in very different ways the fact that you know Merlin is hiding this big big thing from Arthur and I think that just adds to the dynamic and um we'll get into it of course but I love the fact that you have a lot more opportunity for the kind of uh show don't tell thing in canon I think because they get into more scrapes basically like when you're fighting demons or you're fighting uh you know neighboring kingdoms you know you have more opportunity for people to get hurt and that's why i said we'll get to it because we're going to talk about hurt and comfort in a minute i think but i think that there is a lot more chance that you're going to have those big gestures of someone saving someone else's life or someone you know making um putting themselves in grave danger for the other person which you know i love that kind of stuff but like the other two i love their dynamic on the show despite the fact that it is grossly unhealthy. And I think that just says more about me than anything. <laughs> and my kind of like, um, I think it's, but I think it's that thing of, I like my ships 
not really like I necessarily like my reality. Like I completely buy into these fictional uh, shipping tropes because I know that like this particular relationship isn't real. And if it ha- was happening in real life, I you know might say to the people, hey, listen, maybe you shouldn't be behaving that way, you know, or maybe you shouldn't, you know, be so codependent or whatever. But I like it when it's fictional because it's just it's just made up. And there's nothing more epic for me than like their whole destiny tying them together thing. And the fact that they're so unable to deal with their shit, like so unable, <laughs> like you watch them in this show and you're just like, can you please talk to one another like normal people? And they can't. And again, I love it when you have a ship that is w- willing to do so much for the other and is basically just kind of they're so ingrained in each other's lives. And like the other two said, you just, I don't get the same feeling with that from modern AUs. I have modern AUs that I adore. Like, in fact, probably my favorite fic is a modern AU, but Canon, it just feels more romantic. It feels more epic. It feels more like that kind of thing that I'm craving when it comes to like a big epic adventure. So there you go. So what kind of uh, tropes do we see? We've already mentioned her comfort in canon i feel like that's a pretty common one because it's very common on this show (laughs) especially especially with the caveat of merlin being the one hurt yeah i love that and then author and then author being the one who cares for him to me or or revenges avenges him i love protective vengeful author (laughs) (laughs) like or just protective (laughs) author in general is my i love it so much and it's big in canon for sure Yes, yes. And it shows up in a lot, quite a few episodes, so it's not like it's not there in this series. Yeah. Well, we've already talked about early magic reveal as well. <laughs> <laughs> Deal for the Merlin fandom, I think. Yeah. Just, ah, uh, season five. <laughs> <laughs> Just all I've got to say about that. Um, I mean, I get, I mean, just if if you guys had to pick one favorite magic reveal story canon, like what like what would you pick? Do you think? You mean in the show or no, in the... like uh, just any 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 canon fic that has magic reveal in it, like early magic reveal? Like what would be your favorite that that did that? Um, it would be Ragged by McShane, but that's only because I love angst so much. I love it too. I have to read that. Like you really like hyped that for me. I really want to read it. <laughs> um, what about you, Marky? Do you have a favorite magic reveal fic? I've read so much stuff, but um, I don't even remember the storylines. But I was thinking about Smoke and Mirrors by Footloose, which doesn't end well. There's a lot of angst in it, and Menace Magic has been revealed. But you know, Arthur just gets very angry. Gets Furious, but Merlin can't help but uh, protect him from afar. Anyway, and you know, towards the ending, you feel like there might be some resolution, but there actually isn't. <laughs> and oh, okay, I, I, I mean, I love angst, so yeah. Yeah. My personal f- favorite early reveal, <laughs> early magic reveal fig is probably. Well, it's a it's a toss up between the two figs I keep mentioning. It's Knights of a Thousand Eyes or Three Tasks, and the reason I like them is because a I like the stories, and b in both of them it has my favorite trope of Arthur already knew about Merlin's magic and was just waiting for him to to trust him, but also 
hoping that Merlin would actually be careful with his magic and not reveal it in front of a billion other people. Um, another common trope that we have is Arthur has to marry, which I actually don't think I've read anything. And Momo probably will then turn around and be like, but what about this that I know you've read? <laughs> but I don't think I've read a, a, a fic where this is an actual problem. And I really don't like this kind of trope because it was my biggest beef with the whole thing happening in season three in general because yeah. I'm like you know if you're a prince you gotta get married it's part of the job and just stop moaning about it and I hate fix or like I hate stories in general where things like this happen where like a monarch or like an important person should get married and then uh they decide that they're gonna follow their heart instead and I'm literally just like gritting my teeth as I'm saying that because that's fucking bullshit. Um, yeah, I, I don't like it. But if anyone has any opinions on this trope, please let me know. Related to Arthur has to marry. I mean, more that I'm not really interested in that trope particularly, but you know, jealousy from Merlin's part or jealousy from Arthur's part because someone is taking interest in him. Yes. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> give me all of that. <laughs> there's also there's also Arthur is enchanted yeah. to love someone yeah. as a as a sometimes related trope. Like I'm thinking of, I think it's called Fools of Us All. It was podfic by Faye J. I forgot who wrote it, in which um, Merlin is. I think Merlin did something with his magic that ended up in everyone being in love with him. Yeah. And then the only like the only one who doesn't act out of character and overly like amorous towards Merlin is Arthur and Merlin is like, "Hmm. Apparently, <laughs> oh, cuz he loves him already." Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's 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 the resolution to the thing, but Merlin is very confused as to why Arthur continues to be mean to him. Yeah. <laughs> When everyone else is just throwing themselves at Merlin's feet. Yeah. Um, I read that too. It was very funny. I actually just thought of a trope uh, for canon fic that I uh, that uh, we don't have on this list, but it's like, I'd say sort of political intervention kind of stuff or like social, like I'm thinking of like situations where there's a lot of, political or social intrigue and um there's a lot of that in falconry uh but there's yeah. all but also i'm just thinking specifically and i bring this up on a weekly basis it seems uh truth is a whisper where the whole point like the whole plot is driven forward by like court gossip like all this like kind of social court courtly stuff happening around them which uh which is one of my favorite parts of like canon fic and the same in privileges of rank like the plot is moved forward by like the social construct of like merlin not knowing that he has servants that are beneath him to do the thing so it's like that that's quite a fun trope that i like magical threat of the week what did you mean by that momo <laughs> oh uh, i just meant like it's probably like just slice of life uh craft right. thing where you just have fakes about there being some sort of magical threat that they have to vanquish and it's it's very feeling of of the episode where you like literally have a magical threat every week upon Arthur's or Uther's or Merlin's life 
and then I feel like this this gets used in fanfics. Like I'm thinking again of of quickening days where you where you have that, but it's I'm sure it's in in other stories as well where it happens. Do you guys have like any other major tropes that you can think of that we see in canon fic apart from the ones that we just mentioned? And Arthur slowly realizing that Merlin is not the same lively, happy, jolly person he was before. Oh, that sucks. (laughs) (laughs) But I love it at the same time. (laughs) So sad. Um, Continuing with the sadness, um, Arthur riddled with doubts after Uther's death. Oh. The kingdom on his shoulder. And he's all alone in that. Um, I guess, yeah, the only other kind of trope if you're talking about shippy stuff is um, regardless of who you're reading about, because they're all pretty much like from different classes, is going to be like forbidden love or like class difference romance is going to be a big part of whether it, I mean, unless you're reading um, uh, Merlin and Gwen, uh, Arthur and Morgana kind of incest trumps class so you know it's like <laughs> yeah, that's <nah>. a problem <laughs> so yeah they're all gonna have the class difference thing with like Merlin and Morgana Arthur and Gwen uh Merlin and Arthur uh even like Lancelot well I mean whatever I don't know he's a knight kind of but yeah so I think that's also kind of a a canon thing just because of the the social thing which I really like I really like uh class difference stuff um so I think if that's all of the tropes that we can think of, I think we can probably start wrecking some fix. I know we've done a lot of it, but this a is lot. the official wreck section. So if there's anything that you guys didn't wreck that you wanted to mention, uh, now is the time to do it. So uh, who wants to go first? Um, okay. I, I liked uh, Dower the Stars uh, during a time of great prosperity, the Druids offer Emerus a precious gift. Arthur is not amused. He's supposed to get more powers if he can find his soulmate. But in order to do that, he has to kiss the person. So he's going around kissing absolutely every be- everyone except for Arthur. So, oh. was- uh, it's really it was cute. Good. It was really adorable. So it was written in 2018, so it's uh, pretty recent. The other ones I've, I don't think I've mentioned yet is Clouds on the Horizon, also written in 2018. She did it for the um, the uh, After Camelot Big Bang. It's it's a reveal. It's a magic reveal. Uh, Arthur legalizes magic, but Merlin hasn't told him about his magic, and then he finds out and he's really pissed off about it. Oh. Um, and it's pretty long too, since it's on uh, it's on the Big Bang. Darkest Before the Dawn by Rockin' Van that was written in 2014. Did I wreck, wreck that already? I don't remember. Nope. Okay. Um, when the King of Camelot is mortally wounded, uh, desperate Arthur is willing to try anything, including magic, to save his father's life. But he reveals himself, and so things go terribly, terribly wrong once he does it. So again, it's very angsty because that's what I like. Yes. <laughs> okay. Because that's how I like That's what it. I like. And I think I've wrecked everything else on my list. Cool. All right. What about you, Marky? So, I've got Behind Every Great Man, 
by Emerald Arrows. It's rated teen, and it's approximately 7,000 words long. And it has, it is not murder, surprisingly. And <gasps> because of my, yeah. And the summary is, glimpses of the women behind the, de- the destinies. Karma didn't fall in a day, instead it crumbled slowly, and none of them could do anything to save it. And it's, you know, Bina, Unith, Gwen Arthur, Freya Merlin, Gwen Merlin, Gwen Lancelot, and Morgana Arthur. And there's much angst in it. And then I've got A Sultry Afternoon by Retrude, which is pretty short, it's rated Jen. And the summary is, it's one of the hottest days of the year in Camelot. Merlin and Arthur spend it together, basking in companionship, and it's very cute. Um, it's an unnecessary freezing of water by Sean Way. It's set in winter. Um, uh, Arthur wants to go out hunting, but uh, Merlin uh, advises him not to because it's going to snow, but, you know, Arthur does it anyway. And he ends up um, with hypothermia, and um, Merlin has to nurse him back to help, and it's very um, cute from uh, Arthur's point of view, but, you know, Merlin is completely riddled with anxiety because of that, and then I've got a pre-canon one, which is... Sorry, sorry, just just to interrupt very quickly, there's also a part of this one by Crinkly Solution. Oh, cool. All right, co- continue. And then I've got Spring Campaign by Sweetheart, which is short. And features a five-year-old Arthur, uh, before going to bed, Gaius has to give him a tonic, and it reflects on the relationship between little Arthur and Uther. And, Aww. yeah, it's really cute. And I think I'm going to stop here, because the list is very long. Oh, definitely send over the list uh, to me on Discord. I will include it in the post. Okay. Um, so Rox, do you want to? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, so I've mentioned it before, but I just wanted to officially wreck it is falconry. I haven't finished it yet, but I am so happy. I'm rereading this because (laughs) it's just everything that I love about Canon. And yeah, it, I mean, it starts off a little bit like slice of lifey. Um, and there's not much kind of, going on um but it's just uh once you actually get into like the law and everything and what and what's happening outside of things and i haven't even got to the angstiest part yet diane's like (laughs) warning me really um but i uh it's a it's a four four separate stories and they get longer and longer and it's a total of uh 577,813 words altogether and it's just wonderful. It's protective Arthur, protective Merlin, epic destiny stuff, keeping things a secret. And then I believe eventual magic reveal with dire consequences. And yep. it's really amazing. And there's some good coffee in there. <laughs> so <laughs> you guys can enjoy that as well. It's not like Asda value coffee. It's like, you know, real nice coffee. So... <laughs> Momo, you can translate, please. 
Oh, I think everybody knows that you mean sexy. Yeah, but yeah. you're my translator. That's what you're supposed to be doing. <laughs> okay, so it's not it's not just cheap and badly written sexy, and it's like really steamy, feely stuff that will, you know, get you going. It's amazing sex scenes. <laughs> they are so amazing, and it's like epic, like everything you want out of like Mirtha Value Coffee. It's just so great. It's like <laughs> I love it. And it's like Arthur is like because I'm I I really like it when their dynamic is sort of like well basically how it is in the show where like Arthur is very happy very toppy Arthur's very toppy. yeah <laughs> I really like it but no it's more like I just love the fact that Merlin is like even in the show he's so powerful but he's so content to be Arthur's quote unquote inferior obviously he's not and Arthur knows that but like he says you know it's canon now like you know I was born to serve you and I wouldn't change a thing and I really really love that and throughout this fic like at least what I've seen of it so far all he wants is to be of service to Arthur in all of it and it's so like like my heart just wants to explode from it it's just too much so I love that I'm sure Diane will agree with me on that one oh I feel like I've already mentioned all these I'm so sorry but it's favorite by Astolat I love I love this one um it's 13,012 words long and the summary is Arthur was tipped back against the wall his mouth open for breath and staring at the small arrow slit window over Merlin's head trying to work out how it could possibly be that good with Merlin of all people and from what I remember it's basically Merlin and Arthur are like drinking a lot of coffee together and then like are like but they think they're enchanted because they're like there's no way we can actually like want to be having all this coffee together so they go to Gaius and oh no Merlin goes to Gaius and he goes up to Arthur and he's like there's no cure he's like what do you mean there's no cure he's like Gaius says apparently it's not you know like sorcery to like each other and he's like but I don't like you he's like I don't like you at all (laughs) they're both just so (laughs) angry that this is happening and it's yeah this is this is such a good fic um and then i've got past imperfect by the hoyden um and the podfic i listened to for it was by a distant sun but momo you have a couple of others that have podfic this right yeah because a distant sun's podfic version is no longer available because a distant sun had to take their podfic off the internet for personal reasons um and there are other podfics available by one is by moth lights and one is read by two people who are Kalakiria and Jodazaka Zone. They also did a podcast. I need to read. Uh, I need to listen to these, especially the uh, the multi-voice one. I love multi-voice. And uh, it's 2,310 words long. And the summary is, you're being annoying. So no, I'd have to say this seems perfectly normal. And... Past and perfect. I actually mentioned this fic at Coin a lot, which I uh, I just love this fic so much. It's so funny. Merlin wakes up one day in Arthur's bed and uh, get, oh yeah, yeah, and gets some coffee out of it, which he's not expecting. And he's like, "What the ever living Christ is happening right now?" He's obviously like been secretly in love with Arthur for ages, and then basically more and more stuff keeps happening. Like he's basically woken up in a parallel universe, and he's like, "What on earth?" And then. Yeah. I like I don't really want to spoil it but basically there is an explanation for why he's there and like it's uh, a bit of a timey-wimey thing and it's really really good and it's very short it's very sweet and um Arthur is so soft 
um so soft in this fic yeah he just yeah. doesn't understand what's going on and obviously the merlin that is in the fic doesn't really belong there and arthur doesn't know why he's being so weird and there's a scene where like he thinks that merlin's just kind of uptight and stressed because he needs some stress relief <laughs> and he gives him some stress <laughs> relief and then he's like oh you could have just asked you know and he like doesn't know that merlin's just like freaking out <laughs> it's so brilliant um so yeah those are my canon uh rex it's like some long ones some in between one and some short ones i love them all um and momo has some actual canon rex yeah. for us today i I have a surprising amount of canon regs. <laughs> I sat down this uh this morning to write down some regs and then I realized like how come I have half a dozen canon regs? But I will tell you why. It is pot fake. Um that's the reason I have so many canon regs. Okay, so the first one is called Treaty Negotiations by Marguerite twenty six. It was pot fake by Erica Schall. It's an explicit story. It's about ten and a half k long. It's a canon AU in which Merlin is part of a druid envoy that comes to Camelot for, well, treaty negotiations. And then Merlin assumes the role of a so-called Seshana, which is something like a servant, but not quite a servant. And Arthur is very confused about all of this, especially when then Merlin ends up showing up to the actual negotiations occasionally. And he, yeah, he just sort of goes along with it as well because what else he can can he do he wants to actually make a good impression on the druids and then it obviously ends in uh murther at some point and uh erica shall i've wrecked them before i feel like they have a really good voice for reading uh smart scenes because it's just i feel like their voice is very suited to it very sensual and just it just works <laughs> 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 my second drag is also by marguerite 26 and this fic is called with this ring it was part fic by handsome violets it's also explicit and nine and a half k long and in this story uther is enchanted to believe that arthur and merlin should marry immediately and he even threatens merlin's life if if either of them like refuses to marry and so Arthur and Merlin try to figure out what to do to you know to break the enchantment on on Uther but the only thing that can break it is to actually get married so they get married and then decide to stay married because it's convenient <laughs> and then the third one is called Three Castles it was written by Rach Proofrock it was potfig by many people I will link them all um, but it was perfect at least three times, maybe more. And it's a uh, it's rated teen. It's about four and a half thousand words long. And in the story, Arthur is supposed to get engaged to another prince, like from another kingdom, and he dreads it until he meets the prince in question and finds that this prince is actually very endearing and different from what Arthur expected him to be and here's a tiny spoiler for you there is a bit of missing mistaken identity trope oh i love this already (laughs) (laughs) and then the next one is called the trouble with courting written by thursday next potfic by caliglad it's five and a half thousand words long it's rated teen and in this story arthur wants to propose to gwen and ask for merlin's help 
But then Merlin is like, yes, of course, I'll help you with like a forced smile. And then Gaius, once Merlin has left, Gaius tells Arthur um, that he shouldn't try to involve Merlin in this because, you know, Merlin is so in love and it would just be cruel to him. And then Arthur starts believing that Merlin is in love with Gwen. (laughs) And something about that bothers Arthur, but he's not quite sure why he's bothered by all of this. (laughs) There is, like, this story, I've listened to this many times, it's it's just very adorable, Um, and Arthur is so oblivious to his own feelings and anybody else's. And then, um, there's also a remix that I discovered just today, it's called Courting Trouble, the High Theater remix. It's written by Fleet. It has unfortunately not been part fiction. It's only like 1.7k long, alterated teen, and it's from Gwen. Like Gwen shows up in the Trouble with Courting, and the remix is from Gwen's point of view, hmm. and also highly entertaining. Oh my god, that sounds amazing! It's it's amazing. It is amazing. And my last track is called Such Fractured Shadows, written by I Claudia. It's 24,500 words long. It's rated explicit. There is no part fig of this. I read this with my own eyes, voluntarily, (laughs) at least twice. I have read this twice already. And I will read it again. I know I will. Um, I have to warn for explicit sexual assault scenes and violence in this fic. And the the story goes that Arthur finds out about Merlin's magic and fires him from his service. But because Merlin feels bound to Camelot and to protect Arthur, he stays where he is. But now he no longer has Arthur's protection. So he falls prey to some of the not-so-noble and chivalrous knights. Of oh, I think I know where that warning's going to come in. Oh, yeah. Yes, that's where the warning comes in, and so they take advantage of Merlin's vulnerability, and Merlin doesn't feel like he has uh, the option to tell anyone, and then Arthur occasionally sees him with one of the other knights, and that only gives Arthur the wrong idea about Merlin all over again, and it takes a while for Arthur to actually realize what is going on, and that's when the comfort happens. Yeah. When he finally does realize. And I hope vengeful murder. Um, I Definitely vengeful. I Honestly, despite reading it twice, I, I don't think there is murder because there are actually, they are knights and Arthur can't openly murder them. But I, I'm pretty sure he does things to make sure that they will never hurt anyone ever again. Good. Um, but yeah, this is for all the people who like angst and if you can like if either if you're good at you know picking up on when a scene that is going to be uh unsavory let's put it that way uh to happen to just skip it or if you can actually stomach to read it um the angst in the story is just off the charts but then there's also all the comfort and it's just yeah that's uh i like the story yeah i love that story too it was great. So, these are these are my recs for canon fix. I mean, could we really be at the end of the episode? <laughs> I think so. I think it is entirely possible that we have made it out through the end. That is insane. <laughs> oh, one more, one more, 
well, shout out, honestly, it's not like, I mean, obviously we were talking about fix and not fan art, but like, if you enjoy little comics about Merlin and Arthur in canon times, which is like, comic is like the, the perfect marriage between fix and fan art, go check out Lao Pendragon on Hi, Lao. <laughs> Hi Lau again, <laughs> because Lau does a lot of really cute Mercer or Merlin themed comics on on Tumblr. I mean, Mary Lewis also does a lot of them, but I feel like Lau does more of them. So these are two artists that you can check out for canon themed, uh, cute and also funny Merlin Mercer art and comic strips. So yeah, that's that's one last rec <laughs> before we sign off. In two weeks, we are going to do another character analysis, and we are going to be talking about Elian and Percival, and we will have another guest for this. Woohoo! Okay. Woohoo! Yeah. So um, until we see you guys again next time, uh, I've been Miss Snowfox, and I've been Momotastic, and our lovely guests have been Diane. Hi. <laughs> and Maki. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.